I'm kind of a man that's in between beards right now because when it gets to that certain point where it's just unruly, I cut it. So do you have any beard pointers for me? I mean, do you want to look good or do you want to have, do you, do you, you know, want to have a beard? Um, (laughs) Because I think for me, those are mutually mutually exclusive. Welcome to another episode of the OM Podcast with me, your host, Andrew Suit, and brought to you by Ozark Mission Project. Thank you for listening today. This is another OM Pastor episode where my guests are former OMP college staff and others who are now pastors or in ministry, thanks maybe in some part to their time with OMP. Today my guest is Reverend David Freeman, but first let's worship by sharing in a brief Morning Watch devotion together. Morning watch is the you and God time each morning at camp after breakfast and before you head to your neighbor's homes. Today's morning watch is from 1997 when the theme was, Are You My Neighbor? Be a Neighbor. Listen to these words of Luke 10:36, and you might also want to read the surrounding verses, which is the story of the Good Samaritan. Which of these three, Jesus says, do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? Hear the words of the devotion. In this scripture, Jesus has turned the tables and asked the expert of the law the question, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The three being the priest, the Levite, and the Samaritan. The Jewish priest did not want to touch him because he feared it would make him ceremonially impure according to the Old Testament law. The Levite also chose to pass by the fallen man. The Samaritan was also at risk. He risked losing his ritual purity if he associated with Israelites. The Samaritans and Jews despised each other. The good Samaritan chose to risk his life for the man. He cared for him by cleaning his wounds and taking him to the end to recuperate. He gave the innkeeper his much-needed money to house him until he was well. Jesus pointed this out to the law expert, making him admit it was not the Jew who was the neighbor, but the Samaritan. The man admitted the Samaritan loved his neighbor as himself. Let us pray. Lord, help me to be a neighbor, the one willing to do what I know is right instead of what is popular. I want to be the one to take the risk, the one who can step outside my comfort zone. Lord, help me be a neighbor to all. Amen. So my guest today is Reverend David Freeman. David is senior pastor of First UMC in Little Rock, and he's a graduate of, am I saying this right, Centenary College of Louisiana? And he was also the director of Ministries to Youth and Families at First UMC, if I, if I understand that correctly. Uh, David is a graduate of Candler School of Theology at Emory University, but I'll let him share more. David, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me. So tell me a little bit more about yourself and your family. Like, who is David Freeman, really? I should have thought about this question before. I, I, <laughs> I mean, I, you, you read some of my bio. Um, yeah, I grew up in, in Little Rock. I grew, actually grew up in the church that I'm serving now. So um, I have a long history there, even longer family history uh, long before me. But now I've uh, um, uh, been in ministry for 
17, 18 years. I can't remember. Um, I'm, I'm married. Uh, my wife, uh, Katie, is a therapist and uh, we have two children. We have um, uh, Emily and Hannah who um, are teen and preteen ages and sure. uh, that kind of stuff. So that's kind of my whole life right there. Um, that when you ask such, um, when you ask it in such a um, <laughs> contemplative way, I feel like uh, just giving you the the details is not adequate enough. So, David, um, I'm calling these episodes kind of the Owen Pastor episode. And you just shared with me before we started recording here that it's been a while. So you're kind of a an old school OMP person, or I guess you could call it mid school if it was in the early 2000s. OMP goes back to 1986, I believe. Um, when did when did you first get involved with OMP? Personally, I first got involved with OMP uh, as a camper in I guess it was it would have been 1988. So uh, the third year OMP was around. Um, my sister actually attended the very first camp in '86. She was part of that that one camp year at uh, Wayland Springs, um, and uh, it was kind of their pilot program. The, the funny story about that is she like did not want to go. Um, I don't know. I, ca- I can't remember if my mom was forcing her or if it was like a requirement of something on, the, on in the youth group or something like that. But I know like uh-huh. she and all her friends didn't want to go and um, and dropping her off the morning that she left. I was like, I felt so sorry for her. I thought you, <laughs> you're going to have the worst week. Um, I wasn't old enough to go then. But um, it's, then she like wrote us a letter midweek and she said she was having a really good time. But like her one of her friends was miserable or something. And, uh, and then she came home and she just couldn't stop talking about it. And she talked about how wonderful it was and what a great experience it was and just these really rich experiences, not just with having fun with their friends, but meeting new people and uh, working with neighbors and doing work that she'd never done before, or didn't know she could do. And, and right. that kind of thing. And, and then, and then on top of that, there was this worship experience. And so, so, so that, that was kind of where, um, where I first heard from it. And, and so I couldn't wait to go. I, I, the next summer I actually couldn't go. And then, so I went the third year and, um, or maybe it was, I can't remember if it was the second or third year. Anyway, it doesn't matter, but it was very <laughs> early on. Um, so I, I attended as a, as a camper several times when I was in junior high and high school. And again, had just really, um, or I had just as powerful experiences as my sister. I, I found it to be a challenge. Um, it was it was something that, you know, was harder than than the everyday um, life of a, of a adolescent, you know, uh, you, you you have to you have to challenge yourself to meet new people. You have to challenge yourself to do the work, and uh, and all of it is is framed in a very fun way. And then um, I, and then the 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 worship and sharing experiences opened up the, opened up a, a realm of of a uh, for me that was that, that my spiritual life was mine. It wasn't just something right. that I received from my parents or even received from my youth director or whatever. It was mine to 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 engage in. And uh, and to seek, um, and so so that's that was uh, my experience with there. Uh, then I um, after high school, I applied um, to be on the college staff. I was on college staff for two summers for my first and second year of college, and then the next two years I was a, a driver. Uh, so then when I got out of college, I um, began um, volunteering on the steering committee and uh, was a volunteer program director, volunteer director for several years. I don't know how it's structured anymore, but um, at the time, like I think I had done every single role possible with OMP, 
except be a tool coordinator. That was outside of my skill set. But um, <laughs> so uh, so in that, like in the years that I was um, a volunteer director or serving on the steering committee and um, uh, that kind of thing, I that was when my wife and I started dating. And she, she we actually met through OMP. She um, she was also in college staff for a couple of years. And uh, then we got engaged got, and got married and um, served on the steering committee together. We were co-chairs for a year or two. And uh, so it's, it's, was, you know, it, it's, a, it's an important part of our, um, our marriage, our, our early marriage um, and, and how we met. It's, it's really, it's just, it was important to us. It, it, then I was thinking about having to do this. I was like, man, that was like three lifetimes ago. I can't even, <laughs> there's so much I can't remember because I've had two kids since then and they just suck all of the brain power out of you. And you, right, right. you don't know what, you, you can't recall some things that were, were back there. Um, yeah, I've got so, two kids too. And, and I forget what I did yesterday. Uh, I think my wife definitely feels that. But you are more OMP old school than I even realized. So, uh, what what are some of the things that you learned with OMP? You mentioned kind of your beginning to own your own spiritual walk, so to speak, or your spiritual journey. What what other things did you learn through OMP? I I, I can't. I don't know how to boil that down. Um, yeah. Because it, it's when you're in the midst of it, you don't even know what you're learning. You don't even know how much you are gaining from it, especially when you're in a, an intensive time, like being on college staff where you're just going week after week after week. And, you know, I, you know, when I, when I first got on staff, I was, I was 18 years old. I just finished my first year of college. Um, I had no idea what I was doing in life in general. I was just kind of like feeling my way through. And then I'm like thrown into this where it's like, I'm in charge of these kids and these work projects and all this and so you're just you're just um, absorbing so much so so quickly but but through all of it I guess I guess if I was trying to, to boil down like the most important it's it's one is just that that um, I think I learned that uh, for me relationships are spiritual connections that we experience the divine through sacred relationships through holy relationships and an OMP fosters that in so many ways. And I think it's, it's it's even broader than the camp experience, the being around other other kids or or, or, or other adults. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's so much with the neighbors that um, uh, you're sitting down, having conversations, learning stories, experiencing someone's home, and being invited into that, and sometimes sharing a meal together. And that's that's holy. That's a holy relationship, and it, and it's a it's a great experience of incar- It's an incarnational re- uh, experience. So there, there was that. That that was the, one of the things I learned is that how important relationships are. I, you know, I learned so many practical skills. I'm not handy. I'm I. I um, my wife teased me she, like I'll, I'll do a, a house project and it just turns to a disaster. And she's <laughs> like, "What happened to all that OMP knowledge you used to have?" And it was like, "Well, one, it was OMP knowledge. It wasn't like I was." A master carpenter, and, and and we were doing very simple things. Um, but but um, you know, it was it was kind of cool to be able to to know how to um, to how to how to do some of those things, how to how to build, how to um, uh, repair, how to you know fix up um, that kind of stuff. And then and then there was a, there was a large part of um, from from college staff and working on the steering committee. I, I learned so much about how to how to lead and organize. Oh, and, and I'll actually say, I'll, I'll go back and say, I learned a lot about leadership as a camper because um, mm-hmm. I was, I was fortunate enough to have drivers who really allowed the kids to 
to um, to lead the group. Um, right. They didn't go in and say, okay, this is what we're going to do. They just really sat back and said, okay, how are we going to make this happen? And and so a lot of leadership kind of came out in, in me in that, but then also on in college and, and beyond, I really had to learn what it meant to, what how you lead, what it means to lead, and how to do that in a way that is filled with grace. And it's not just this, you know, I'm going to make all the decisions or, or whatever, but how do we do this in a way that that makes sure that, that that God is exemplified in all of this, that we're right. living as, as uh, people of Christ. And, and so it, there was, a, there was a lot of that. And, and, you know, and then there was there's practical skills of leadership, like how do you run a meeting and how do you, you know, whatever that, that, that's kind of stuff I learned on the steering committee. I guess in terms of fast forward now a little bit, are, are there pieces that you can see or threads that you can see in your ministry today? I mean, you're, you're a pastor at, First United Methodist Church in downtown Little Rock. Your, your neighbors are right there. I assume there are all kinds of opportunities for u- unique mission work there. H- how has OMP maybe prepared you for your role today? The word neighbor that kind of uh, sank into my soul through Ozark Mission Project um, mm-hmm. from my first day um, when I was an eighth grader to, to, to you know, well beyond that was that was not just a, a word that that was used because it was OMP lingo. To me, it was a it was a really important phrase, um, uh, more more than just a religious phrase. It was a, it was a um, holy word because um, it, it's not um, it's not just the people you know we're not just going to serve our neighbors because they're the people that are around us. Uh, it is um, it, it's part of, the, of of Christ's command to love our neighbors as ourselves. And, um, and it's, it is linked with, you know, when Jesus is asked, what is the greatest commandment? He says, well, to love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, your soul, and the strength. And he gives the Shema. And then, and then he always says, and the second is to love your neighbor as yourself. He, he never separates those two. They're, they're, right. they're joined. And so loving God and loving your neighbor are, are so closely tied. They cannot be separated. Mm-hmm. And using that term just as a camper, it, it was like, I, I was learning that even if it wasn't explicitly stated. And that has carried me through through, through everything um, in my life and in, in ministry that it, it helps me understand everyone around me as my neighbor, um, not just as someone in proximity to me, but somebody in my, in my sacred charge to love them. And I, and I mess this up a lot. You know, I'm, I'm not great at this because um, I can be, I can be, oh, hey, sorry, my dog's saving us now. Um, <laughs> I, um, I can be just as much of a jerk or, or more than, than most people. So I don't want to like make this seem like, oh, well, I'm the best at loving my neighbors, but it's just, that's my understanding of, of what our, what our life purpose is about. And so the term neighbor has been really important to me in my understanding of of how to relate to God and how to relate to the world, and that has that has carried with me into ministry um, as I've tried to help people grow in that own, their own understanding. In fact, when I got to uh, First Church Little Rock as the as the senior pastor, you know, this is a church that is in downtown Little Rock. It's a, it's a downtown church, and on the surface, you think, well, all of your neighbors are commuters. They're people who come in for the day and they work and they leave. You know, our, our, we're on Center Street and uh, all of the buildings around us are either office buildings or 
restaurants or, or, you know, whatever, there's very few residences right. immediately around us. And what I, what I discovered and, and also having a long history with that church was that we were being a suburban church, just located downtown. We wanted mm-hmm. to, we had this great pride of being a downtown church, but on the, on, on, when you looked at what we were doing and how we were acting and, and relating to our neighbors, we were just people who lived out in the suburbs that commuted into church and then went back back out to our homes. Right. And so we began to ask the question, like, who is our neighbor to go back to that question? And, and we began to really wrestle with what it means to be a neighborhood church in downtown, which kind of opened our eyes as to who's living around us. So then we start looking around and like, oh, well, people are moving back downtown in droves and there's this renaissance of, of, of downtown living. So then there are those folks that are moving downtown, but then there are the people that have always been here, the people that have been living in these homes that were, that were not as, um, you know, sought after for a long time, or homes that have that, that have um, started to, to 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 deteriorate. But then we we needed to open our eyes even more, and that that a lot of our neighbors don't have homes, and um, and so rather than talking, you know, rather than adopting this lingo that a lot of folks use of the homeless or uh, these derogatory, what I would consider derogatory terms of like street people or um, that kind of thing. Uh, we we started talking about our neighbors and, and mm-hmm. we didn't want to differentiate between a neighbor who doesn't have a home and a neighbor who lives in a in a high rise loft apartment or, or or whatever. We want to talk about our neighbors. And so we really drilled down into this term neighbor. And I found that there was a lot of energy around that word. And what I discovered was this church identified with the concept of neighbor more than they identified with the concept of disciple. Um, And I know that's going to sound really strange and it may set some people's teeth on edge because especially in the Methodist world, we talk about discipleship a lot. And, you know, that didn't, that didn't resonate in the souls of the people of this congregation. What did was Mm -hmm. the word neighbor. And so we talk, we don't talk about growing in our discipleship. We, we, we talk about growing in our neighboring and Mm -hmm. and that's, it's a made up word. Um, but, um, when we, when we have, um, when, when we, our our ministries of, of Bible study and Sunday school and small groups, these are our neighboring ministries because there's, they're trying to enrich us as loving our neighbors as ourselves and in turn loving God. And so, so I I know that was a a long walk to answer your question, but that term neighbor has really kept me on, on a, I don't want to say a singular focus path because it hasn't been singular fo- singularly focused, but that has been that thread that has carried with me that, that just came from what some people may think is just like a simple term that we use to name the people that we work for at OMP. But it really what it is, is this very holy term used to express our, our, um, our call from Christ. Yeah. And what could be more discipleship oriented than what you were saying there, even from the beginning of that question, that discipleship ultimately is loving God and loving neighbor. Um, I, as I've said it before that it seems like Jesus was kind of bad at math. You know, what's the f- greatest commandment? And he goes, well, there's two. Well, I'm asking for one, but he says there's two. And I love how you, you said that, that he can't seem to separate the love of God and the love of neighbor. That's really good. It's kind of Wesleyan too, but um, we won't yeah, get into that. That's right. <laughs> Don't want to go too Wesleyans deep. In. You've forgotten that. It's just kind of interesting to me. You served as the director of youth and families there. What what was it like coming back to the church after seminary, or being t- appointed to First Little Rock? It's a it's a double edged sword. So um, yeah, I, well I'll, I'll be just to kind of give you the timeline. So um, when I graduated from college, 
but before I went to seminary, I worked, I, I, I worked at the church as a director of youth ministries or director of youth and families uh, for four years. And then I went to seminary and then went into the pastoral ministry route. So, right, right. Um, so that, that was that timeline and then um, served uh, another church for uh, 12 years and then was sent back five years ago to, to I would say sent back. I wasn't sent back. I was sent to Little Rock to, to, to be the senior pastor for church. Thanks for helping with that timeline. Yeah, no, no, it's confusing because it's 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 a very sorted, it's very Arkansan because my it's like my family tree doesn't branch a lot uh, if, if you look at my life. But um, to to come back home, it was frightening. Uh, one because in my mind, the senior pastors of that church were like way up on this pedestal, hmm. and I wasn't even near that pedestal. Like I, I didn't even I I didn't have the 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 abilities, the skills, the 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 spirit to even approach a pedestal like that. And I also know that when you're put on a pedestal, there's nowhere to go but down. You know, the only way off a pedestal is to get down. And, you know, this this sounds very arrogant, and I don't mean it to sound arrogant, but like to compare myself to Jesus. But like when Jesus went home, they tried to kill him. Um, and here I was going being sent home, and it was like, oh, you know, how well return to Nazareth? Yeah. Right. Um, and, and so there, I was I was pretty uh, afraid, and I still am afraid every day. There are great benefits to it. The benefits are, are knowing the congregation, um, knowing the people uh, of the congregation, there, and knowing the history, knowing the family histories. And, you know, we've been doing a, a membership audit, and uh, the person who's in charge of this audit has been on staff for 10 years. But she still comes to me and says, "Okay, who who's this person? Or, you know, wh- how are they? How are they connected? How are they related?" And so I had this kind of deep knowledge of that. The other part is that I, that these people know me, and they've known me. Many of them, literally, my entire life, and mm-hmm. uh, and they're I grew, I grew up with their kids, or their kids babysat me, or or whatever it was. They and they see me, and and sometimes they see me still as that. There's a little bit of that. So, you know, at the beginning, it was, there was some, there, some people felt betrayed if when I started to change things. And, you know, I came in with this instant trust because it was like, oh, he's one of us. And then that one of us started changing things and they were like, oh, no, 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 you're, you're one of us. You're not supposed to do that. It, you know, it, it comes with, with great benefit and then it comes with um, curses uh, on, on some days. I will say um, lately, uh, some of the curses have been just some of the, not, not just the curses, but the blessings and the curses are, are to, um, to preside at the funerals of people that you've loved for a very long time. Mm. And, and more than just like somebody that you've, you know, in, in, in any other ministry setting, you would, you would have only have known for a few years. Um, but these are the people that uh, were friends of my parents and grandparents or uh, the parents of, of, of my friends growing up. Or, or, or even my friends growing up. And so it's, it's just really hard. It's hard to hold the emotion lightly in those moments. Right. And, and so those are, those are some of the things. So if we almost reversed what you were just talking about there, as people are seeing you in a different role, what would you say to a younger David Freeman, if you went back and, and would, would David Freeman as a young kid, listen to David Freeman now? No, um, <laughs> you had asked me that question before, and um, I was hoping you wouldn't ask it. <laughs> but there's no way around it, I guess. Um, I, I guess I would. I guess I would say, like to to the to the kid, the, the, you know, the eighth grader, the tenth, eleventh grader, whatever I was, 
attending OMP, I would say like work harder than you are. <laughs> and I know that sounds like, but I, you know, for a couple of years there, I was the kid that just like, while everybody else was painting, I was over there like picking my nose and just like playing with, you know, sticks. I would say like, get in there and do the work. To the, to the college age, David, working on staff, I would say like, um, this is not about you. And you need to get mm-hmm. that through your head and, and quit making it all about you. And the, the ultimate goal is to, um, is, is to lead these kids to, um, to, to foster holy relationships with the neighbors, to do great work. Um, and, uh, and not to like feed your ego of like having a lot of kids that think you're fun and funny and, and, and worship is not about like, uh, just an emotional experience. It's about, um, deepening one's understandings. So I would say that. And, and then, and that would extend, well, well, I'd, I'd need to talk to that, that person like up into their forties. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's something I still need to remember. That's a good answer for wanting to have avoided the question. So uh, David, OMP's mission is to transform lives through worship, fellowship, and hands-on mission. So could you give our listeners one practical challenge today or this week of something they could do to serve their neighbor? Something pretty straightforward. Oh, wow. That is a that's a hard question to answer on election week because it should be super obvious and it is so hard. I'll say, I guess I'll, I'll start by saying this and, and this is, I I guess this is a very pastor answer is to make it really long and drawn out. But um, at OMP serving your neighbor is easy because you wake up and somebody hands you a job and they give you all the tools and they give you directions to the house and they say, here, go serve your neighbor. And, and we tell these kids, or at least we used to, we, we, we tell these kids like, now keep doing this every day. Like, don't let this stop. But then they get home and they aren't handed a, a bunch of tools. They aren't given a job and they, they don't go. And so it's like, how do yeah. you continue to do this? And, and, we, and, and what it does is it skews your understanding to think that serving your neighbor is only about like the physical work on the house or the physical work on the yard or, or whatever, but it's so much deeper than all of that. And so I would say like, I don't want to give a tried answer like, well, just be kind to the person in line in front of you at the grocery store or wear your mask. I don't want to be tried. What I want to say is like foster deep, real relationships engage in real holy relationships that make room for the for the spirit of god in the midst of them and that doesn't mean to have just feel good relationships where everything is great but it's to wrestle with the things even when you disagree even when you hurt one another's feelings even when you are are the source of pain for one another holy relationships are the ones that that work through that rather than than just breaking off at the breaking off when it becomes hard or staying on the surface. Life is richer in, a, in relationships. And uh, we, can av- we can avoid the pain of those relationships, but we don't get the depth of them when we do. Mm. Well, it's interesting that you had mentioned election week. This will air probably into 2021. So it will be fun to listen back to this after oh, we see the we're results. Assuming there will be a 2020. Like That's right. Um, the world could end yeah. tomorrow. <laughs> it, it feels like it. What a, a strange time we live in. But yeah. um, I appreciate your your continuing to to challenge us there. So I wonder if this will challenge us as well as to just ask the simple sharing question that you often hear at an OMP camp at the end of the day. How have you seen God lately, David? 
again, I'm, I'm trying to, to, to get beyond the surface of, you know, the, you know, the answer of rainbows and unicorns and that kind of stuff. But, um, I mean, I would go back to the, to the, um, to the answer about relationships that, uh, it has been in those, those relationships, whether it be with family or friends or, um, or, or people I work with, that God is moving in the, in the midst of them. You know, I wish I could just tell a story. I don't have any stories uh, to, to tell that, that, that I wouldn't, that I wouldn't be betraying somebody's trust or haven't gotten permission <laughs> for, but, I would just say that, um, that it, this is such a difficult time in, in the world, and, and it's not going to go away after Election Day. It's not going to go away after December 31st. So, you know, as people are listening to this into 2021, you know, I'll say, like, if you are there, if, if there is a world, if, if you didn't just find this in a scrap heap of, of the of Mad Max beyond Thunderdome, that is where God is most evident, that that I find that God is in the margins of the world and God is in the pain of the world. And the world is in so much pain right now that perhaps God is most evident to us in that. Um, it's just a matter of, of, of seeing with our spiritual eyes to see that, that, that God is, is there at work. And, and we, we want to look for God and all the like happy-go-lucky, like these things, everything's working out. And so that must be God. And it's like, no, God, you know, when started, when things start to move, to go right, God moves on to the, to the other stuff. God goes back to the pain. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and that may sound really dark, but, but I, but that's my understanding of God. And, and I would also say that's how, that's what I, that's what I got from being a part of OMP was to see that, that in those places of poverty and, and deep pain and difficulty in the world, that, that, that God was there and moving way before we got there. And so it will be really interesting. Like I said, you know, you can almost ask the question, what would you say to future David on the eve of election when this is aired in 2021? <laughs> but I, I appreciate your answers. Those are, are very good. One last question is, is how could our listeners connect with you? How, how can they find you if they wanted to uh, continue the conversation, so to speak? <laughs> I'm unapproachable. Uh, <laughs> stay away <laughs> right right uh, i mean uh you already told them where I, i'm a pastor uh you can email me there um sure uh, our, our website is fumclr.org and um or you can call um i don't i don't do a lot of social media other than just like uh creeping on uh people I'm just kidding <laughs> I, don't, I don't really creep on people uh but I, I don't do a lot of social media uh, okay. or things like that. But, um, you know, you can find me, just to connect with me, email me, um, and, I'd, you know, love to visit with you. And, and I fibbed. I got one more question for you. Um, this is a podcast format, so, of course, people can't see us. But I'm kind of a man that's in between beards right now because when it gets to that certain point where it's just unruly, I cut it. So do you have any beard pointers for me? I mean, it, do you want to look good or do you want to have, do you, do you, you know, want to have a beard? Um, <laughs> Cause I think for me, those are, mutually, those are mutually exclusive. Yeah. I mean, every conversation, uh, most conversations come back to, to my beard. Um, I just stopped shaving several years ago and, yeah. and haven't gone back. And I guess it's, it, to me, it's just, it's just funny. It makes me laugh. And so that's why I have it. Um, and so I would just say like, push through, like, um, the, the, everybody's like, oh, how did you get to that point? And it's like, well, if you can just get through the itchy phase, you can get through it and you just don't go back. And now there are times where it gets in everything. And so you have to put it up in like a, a beard pony, but. Well, I thank you so much for your time today. I appreciate it, David. Thank you very much. Absolutely. Great to talk to you. 
Thanks for listening to the OM Podcast today. If you've enjoyed this episode, be sure to let others know about it. For more information about OMP, including how to get involved, support this ministry, register for camp, and more, go to ozarkmissionproject.org. Again, that's ozarkmissionproject.org. If you would like to be a guest or know someone who would make a good guest, contact me at andrew.suite at arumc.org. Again, it's andrew.suite at arumc.org. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace.